holy and beloved. So there's the description. You're the holy ones, you're the beloved ones that God calls His chosen ones. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So that's the passage we're going to use, verses 12 through 17 today. Lord willing, like I said, over the next few weeks, we'll look at the balance of Colossians 3. But starting here, because of the way he describes the church, in this passage, he describes the church as chosen. When he says, my chosen ones, that's what I want you to recognize, is you need to see that when you read that there in Colossians 3.12, and he says, hey, my chosen ones, you could, you could insert there. You could say, what he's saying is, hey, church. Hey, 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 church, I'm, I'm, I'm addressing you. I'm talking to you. You're the chosen. That makes me think, of course, of the fairly popular uh, show many of you have watched called the, the Chosen. Some are anxiously anticipating a, another season to come out. But one of the questions that's been posed whenever people have talked about this show, The Chosen, they're like, "Well, who is the Chosen? Is it is it Jesus? Is that who the Chosen is? Is it is it the apostles? Maybe it's it's the apostles that Jesus goes in and chooses them, or is it those that hear the message of Jesus and obey the gospel? Maybe it's maybe it's them." Well, you know what the right answer is? The answer is D, all the above. Because you look in Scripture, Luke chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus is referred to as, the Father says, here he is, listen to him, he's my chosen one. So Jesus is the chosen. But then in Acts chapter 1 at verse 2, the apostles are referred to as those who were chosen by God to do what they needed to do. So Jesus is the chosen, the apostles are the chosen, but then right here in this passage, Colossians 3 the church is referred to as the chosen ones. In fact, we, could, we can even go further than that. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2, verse 4. So 1 Peter 2, 4. As you, so again, speaking to the church, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So Jesus is chosen, but drop down to verse 9. But you, church, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And then even Revelation 17, 14, we're speaking of that time when the, the Lord Jesus, known as at various times as the lamb who, who deals out wrath to his enemies, Revelation 17, 14 says, those who are on the side of the Lord of Lords, those who are on the side of the King of Kings. He says, they are called and they are chosen and they are faithful. So again, this is another time that the church is referred to as the chosen ones. Now here's the reason I bring it up. 
Because there's a way in which we are both chosen, but we also have to make a choice. We also have to, to choose to submit to, to love, to follow, to obey Jesus Christ. That's what Jet read for us just a moment ago from Mark chapter 3, 31 to 35. Remember, the, the family, the, the family of Jesus, his mother and his brothers, they come to him, they want to talk to him. They, they were getting kind of worried about him. When the word was getting out, they said, oh, he's acting like he's out of his mind. We got to go save him from himself. We got to go get him away from all those people. And so they, they enter this, they seek to enter this place, but there's so many people around. They can't get right up to him. They can't just go grab him and pull him away. And so they have to filter the message through. They say, get this message to Jesus. Your family needs you. Your family wants you to come away with them. And that's the response there in Mark 3.35 that Jesus says, my family? You don't know who my family is? My family are those who obey the Father. My family are those who choose to submit to the will of God. That's my family. Read with me in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 the reason that Jesus came to this earth was to, among other things, defeat the power of Satan, offer us hope from, from death. But he came to this earth in order to help us, allow us, invite us into the family. Look at John 1. Let's start reading at verse 11. John 1, 11. It says, he, that is Jesus, he came to his own, and his own people didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, who to all those who believed in his name, here's what Jesus did. He gave them the right to become children of God. He gave them the right to be a part of this family. He gave them the opportunity to be a, a brother to him, as it were. It says in verse 13, those who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of God. Jesus would explain that further in John 3. John 3, verses 3 through 5 what it is to be born again, being born of water and the Spirit. That when we are born again, when we are baptized into Jesus the Christ, washed in His blood, raised up in the power of the resurrection, we become part of His family. And so we're the chosen ones, as it were. The church, that's the group, that's the ones that are chosen. But what we must do is choose to know Him and love Him and obey Him. Let me give you some other examples. Go to Acts chapter 2. You know Acts 2 so well. You know Acts 2.38. Because in verse 37, they said, what do we do? We know we're sinners. How can we be saved? Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized. You'll be forgiven and given the gift of the Holy Spirit. But keep reading those, those verses below that. Look at Acts 2.41. It says, those who received the word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Who did the adding? They chose Jesus as their Savior. They submitted to Jesus as a Savior. And it says that the Lord added them to the kingdom. Drop down to verse 47, Acts 2, 47. The Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. So the church is the chosen. He chooses us. This is the group, those who have obeyed the gospel. These are the ones who will be on the side of the Lord of Lords and kings of kings. So the question becomes this. Have I chosen him? Have I submitted my will to his? Have I said, Lord, I recognize you're the only one. I call upon you. I repent of my sins. I'm going to be washed in your blood. I choose you. I thought of this again just yesterday because as we think about weddings, I always think about this. 
That in a wedding ceremony, that's the, the man says to the woman, I choose you. The woman says to the man, I choose you. And in a, when the ceremony of baptism, when you approach this, this water here, you're saying to the Lord, I choose you to the exclusion of all others for the rest of my life. I choose you. I'm chosen by you and I choose you. And so that's what the church is recognized as, the chosen ones. Then there's this. He continues to say in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So in other words, God's family, the church, is called the chosen, but also God's family, the church, is called the one body. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. One body. He's going to say this a lot. Ephesians chapter 3 at verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, listen to this, members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. So what's happening there in Ephesians 3, maybe be turning in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, where in Ephesians 3, this is what's happening. There's The people of the world are broken into two categories. The Jews and the Gentiles here in this spot. And the Jews are saying there can be no way that these bodies are ever reconciled. But the Holy Spirit says, you know what Jesus did? Jesus came to break down all walls, break down all barriers, to where when anyone obeys the gospel, when anyone is washed in the blood of Jesus the Christ, everyone is then made part of one body. Read with me in Ephesians 2. Let's start in verse 13, Ephesians 2.13. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What is it that heals? What is it that tears down walls? It's the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who's made us both one. So there was two groups, but now there's just one. There was multiple groups, now there's just one. Made us both one has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. Then verse 16. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and preached and peace to those who were near. Let's keep going. He says in verse 18, for through him, that is through Jesus the Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. There it is again, the family of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now we know the church is made up of numerous different people with all sorts of personalities and quirks and backgrounds. And you just look around this room, we see different people with different interests, different hobbies, different everything. But this is not made up of different bodies. The church is not made up of different bodies. He says over and over and over, one body. And it has to pain us. We cannot get, let me say this with all the, the kindness and love that I am blessed with God to even have, we can't get comfortable 
with division. We can't get comfortable with denominationalism. That is not something that brings glory to God. It just isn't, and you know it's not. You, you cannot have, Scripture says a house divided against itself will fall. It wasn't Lincoln that said that. It was the Lord that said that. Because division causes animosity, which leads us to splits, which leads to fights, which leads to more and more problems. And he says here over and over, the fractures, the division, the different ideas taught, the conflicting doctrines taught, these serve the mission of Satan. They don't serve the mission of God. Pluralism in this type of regard is a poison. And so in a place like 1 Corinthians 1.10, he pleads, he says, there must be no divisions. You must be of the same mind, of the same judgment. Because to teach two different things, to teach opposing things, only brings confusion and disharmony and Satan wins. Our goal should be to lovingly, kindly, sweetly, but firmly to all have the same mind and teach the same things because this is the will of God for us. Because he says there's one body and it's not divided. I realize this is a tall task. I realize this is a, a monumental task, but it's what the Lord has called us to, is it not? That we have the same mind, the same judgment, and we be, be people who speak the same things. That's what he says the church is. That's the way he describes it. You're my chosen ones. You're my one body. Now live it. And so here's how we live it. This is the next part of things. This is sort of the transition of things, of what God's chosen people, of his one body, the way that they are to be. He says in Colossians chapter 3, we come back to our text now, he says in verse 12, you're to put on, be, be clothed in, be dressed in, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We're to be clothed in kindness. As we said before, we choose to enter this family, right? You choose to enter this family. You made the, the, the decision to obey the gospel of Jesus the Christ. You chose to enter this family. But you didn't choose who makes up the family, right? I'm reminded, I was talking to some folks about uh, To Kill a Mockingbird just recently. And there's a line there that Jim says, he says, Atticus, and I'm going to put it my own way. This isn't going to be Harper Lee's version. This is Bart's version of what Jim says. Atticus says, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And your family is still your family, whether you choose to acknowledge them or not. And it makes you look silly when you don't. So here's your family. You can choose to acknowledge them or not. You can choose to love them and be kind to them or not, but it makes you look silly when you don't. I'll do it better than Harper Lee. This is the way the Lord would say it. It makes you sinful when you don't. Because we have been called to be clothed in kindness. Just like you made a choice to wear whatever it is you're wearing today. You know, I see some of these guys, uh, Will, you know, he's got his, his bow tie on, man, looking sharp. There was a choice made for him probably to wear that. But you probably made your choice. Did I wear the purple today or wear the red today? Will I wear the black today or the brown today? You made a choice to go out into the world and present yourself a certain way. You said, here's my decision of how I'm going to go out into the world and interact with other people. This is the way I'm going to live with people today. So think about it. If you put those clothes on and went out and mixed and mingled with the folks, he tells us, the Lord tells us, you're to put on, you're to dress yourself in kindness. 
Show yourself to be kind, thoughtful, kind and thoughtful, not cold and selfish. You're going to have these compassionate hearts that are looking for ways to help people. Have a, a spirit and attitude of kindness when you interact with other people. Have a, a spirit and attitude of humility where you put others first. Meekness where you are in control. Because the idea of biblical meekness is not weakness. It's the self-control that says, I'm going to use the strength and power that my God has given me for goodness, for righteousness, for God's glory. And then patience. Giving time and space for people to, to work and to express themselves and do what they need to do. But he says this, you're to be wearing compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I guess the question would be for us right here this morning, what am I wearing? And I don't, I'm not talking about your suit or your shirt. What are you wearing? Are you clothed in the way the Lord would have us to be? And there's also this. The church is also to be defined by the forgiving nature that it has. He says, my chosen ones will not only be clothed in kindness, my chosen ones, this one body of mine, this one body that belongs to me will be forgiving. This is verse 13. Bearing with each other, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. That's the command. Because if you have, and here's the, here's the great thing of this, he says you're my chosen one, so if you've raised your hand to say, yes, I'm among the chosen, yes, I belong to the one body, you know what you're saying? I've been forgiven. You're making the admission that by the blessing the Lord has given us, by bringing us into this one body, adding us to the kingdom. We're saying, I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. We're saying, I was dead in my sins, but Jesus made me alive. I've been forgiven. And so if you're willing to make that admission of saying, yes, I'm one of the ones that count themselves as blessed to be forgiven, you also have that hand up saying, I'm also one who says, I need to forgive others. Because that's what the one body of the chosen does. How can I be withholding how can I refuse to seek to give everything and, and second chances and, and next opportunities? How can I be withholding to others when the Lord didn't withhold from me? When the Lord was so liberal and so generous with me, how can I not return that to others? The last two things. The one chosen body of the Lord is not only clothed with kindness, not only must choose to be forgiving, to others because we've been forgiven by Almighty God. But in these last two areas, it's about where we look. It's about where we look for our guidance, our wisdom, our help, how we know what to submit to, what to do, what to say. It's because we are bound by one single solitary message. Now it's a big message, but this is it. This is the source. This is where we turn to learn the will of God. This is where we turn to see what it is that God desires from us. He says in Colossians 3, look at verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So that's what matters, the word of Christ. Let God's message, God's word be what forms you, shapes you, changes you, leads you, gives you wisdom. It's the word of God. But then look at verse 17. Whatever you do, in word, so the things you say, the things you profess, the things you admit, whatever you do in word or in deed, 
the things you say, the things you do. He says, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it's the word of God and the word of God alone that defines us, guides us. It's not traditions, it's not creeds, it's not, it's just the word of God. It's that simple. Now we complicate it. We're great at complicating things. Human beings are great at adding and changing and tweaking. We're great at making the simple complicated. But it's just this message. And this is what we're to, to be defined by and led by. We're to always be looking for a thus saith the Lord. And so when he says here, everything you do and everything you say should be in the name of the Lord Jesus. I hope by now that you know this, but let's make it crystal clear so that every last one of us from the balcony to the basement so that every last one of us understands that when you read that phrase, by the authority of, you're doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's by the authority of, okay? The Lord must give you his permission to do or say whatever it is you're going to do or say. I want you to think of it this way. Think about restricted areas. If I'm going to understand what it is to do something in the name of the Lord Jesus, which means to do something by the authority of Jesus. You ever been somewhere, been in a room, maybe down a hallway that you kind of felt like, I probably shouldn't be here. And you go around a corner and someone that looks official says, do you have permission to be here? Could be a place that's really serious. I don't know, maybe you accidentally got lost and you're in Oak Ridge somewhere and there's secret stuff. I know some of you have been to places you weren't supposed to be and the military people said, you got to go a different direction. You're not authorized to be here. But I know of a couple of young men who just recently were, were shopping. Much more innocent, right? Just shopping, going to different stores along the way. And they found these two young men found themselves in what's known as the Pepper Palace. You know the Pepper Palace? If you're not, you need to get familiar with it. You, all kinds of great stuff there. Hot and spicy things are great. But these two young men were in the Pepper Palace, and as I understand it, they even maybe tried a few things, sampled a few things, until all of a sudden there was this looming presence. How old are you? You have to be 18 to be in this place alone. They got out. They were not 18. And their, their names might rhyme with Jake and Paul. I'm not sure. <laughs> now, don't ask where the parents were. I don't know where those parents should have been watching. I don't know. But they weren't authorized to be there. They were too young, and so they got kicked out. You're too young to be here. Get out. You don't have the authority. You've not been authorized to be in this place. And that helps me understand that if I don't want to be escorted out of the presence of God, if I want to be openly welcomed into the presence of God, if I want to dwell with and, and live with and enjoy the presence of God, I must be there in the name of Jesus. I must have the authority of Jesus to be there. I require, I'm required, you're required to have the authorization and permission and blessing of Jesus for all that you do. When it comes to your prayers, you enter into the presence of God by the authority of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. When it comes to your worship, you're able to offer praise that pleases God by the authority of Jesus in his name. When it comes to your salvation and having your sins removed, you are able to do that in the name of Jesus by his authority. We seek the blessings of God by knowing and following the word of God. And the church is bound to this one message. And we know that the word of God is true. It's what, it's what shapes us. It's what defines us. And we need to be known as people of the book. 
And we need to be molded by and changed by the message of the book because this is the only message given from heaven to men by which we are authorized to do anything. Praying, worshiping, being saved. This is the message. We must have the authority of Jesus for whatever we do and say. We're bound by that message. The chosen ones of the one body are bound by the message of Jesus. This brings us to the last thing. It is very briefly... This is what the, the chosen body of the Lord does. They worship together. Look at verse 16, Colossians 3, 16, the last part of it. You're to be teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is part of the, what it is that the chosen ones have chosen to do, to gather together and praise God. Our singing is authorized by God. Our, our singing should 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 praise God and please God. Our singing should instruct the church. You know, we should be learning things and emphasizing eternal truth as we worship together. Our singing should admonish the church. That's what he says there. Singing psalms and hymns. You're admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns. You know what it is to admonish someone? Does that sound like a fun word? I got admonished today. Sure happy about it. To be admonished means you've been, in lack, for lack of a better term, scolded, corrected. This is where you are. This is where you need to be. And so it's at times when we sing these songs, there should be moments, hopefully not every single song, not every single time, but there should be moments that when we're gathered together to worship and we're singing these songs, there should be moments where you think to yourself, I should be living differently. I should be living with more forgiveness, with more kindness, with more thought. I should be more prayerful. I should be living differently. I feel convicted. I feel admonished by what it is we've been singing. And so our singing should instruct us where we learn eternal truths about who God is and who we should be. But our singing should also admonish us, touching hearts, leading to change lives. The chosen ones, the one body of the Lord, gathers to worship, bound by the message, so that we might leave this place being those who are defined by being forgiven, forgivers, clothed in kindness at, at all times, in all respects, in every way that we interact with people. And so these are just some of the things that God's family should be known for. This is just based on Colossians 3, 12 through 17. If we want our individual families, which Lord willing we'll talk about soon, if we want our individual families to be strong, if we want our individual families to flourish, if we want our families and our homes to endure the tax of the sinful world, we begin with God's family. May we all be clothed with kindness and defined by forgiveness. Let us love the Word of God and follow it with all of our heart and soul. Let us love the Lord and worship Him in ways that are authorized and fitting. The church is made up of God's chosen ones, holy, set apart for good works, beloved, seen and heard and cared for by the eternal father he's chosen us the question for us then is this have we chosen him have you chosen jesus the christ have you named his name acknowledged him as not only the son of god but the lord of your life if you need to obey the gospel or ask for prayers we encourage you to choose the one who chooses you while we stand and while we sing